In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power. To walk through our every fear, for spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room. invite you to notice your breathing in this moment. And then I invite you to notice your hands. And feel your hands at whatever level you can. When we move our awareness down into our body, our mind's quiet. It is a simple meditation. Grounding ourselves in this beautiful body temple. We have taken form for a reason. And so I celebrate that this day with you. We come together to slow down. I am so grateful. I stand in eager expectation of wondrous things being revealed today within you, within me. Touched and moved by music, wisdom, clarity, the invitation for this divine presence to express in and through and as each and every one of us. For truly you have come not just to listen to the music and the message, but to listen to yourself. And so if you find yourself wandering today, or myself wandering today, I continue to bring my energy back to my hands, to my body, to feel my heart, to feel my feet upon the floor, to ground myself in this moment, understanding this is eternity here and now. I know that every good thing, as I stand with you grounded in this awareness, grounded in the, this deep and unabided experience of oneness, there's one life that is God's life expressed individually by all of us. And so this day is a perfect day to experiment and to play in that field of possibility. So I am just so joyful and joy-filled of the expectancies and the wonders that await my recognition and invitation into my life experience. To stand in a group of, of like-minded individuals, a community that is in the process of awakening at deeper and more expansive and beautiful ways. What a blessing to share this time. Truly to have the spaciousness in our lives to spend this time together. And I know that it creates that activity and enough of a, a, a wonderful distraction through our spiritual practice to allow this infinite divine presence to reveal more and more of who we are. For this, I just give thanks and gratitude and appreciation for this moment and each moment that allowed me to be with you this day. All of the teachers that I have been gifted by, all of the books, all of the meditations, all of the challenges, all of the heartbreak, and all of the joys that have brought us together today, I give thanks. And knowing every good thing has now been impressed and been invited in a larger and more powerful way, I invite you to say with me, and so it is.
Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Last cold day of 2015. I know I say that every week, but I'm not giving up on it because I know it's going to eventually fulfill that prophecy. So um, I want to thank uh, Reverend Catherine McLeod who spoke last week and I have not had a chance to listen to the podcast, but I understand it was wonderful and so much of the support allowed Lord, uh, my, my beautiful partner, Laura and I, to, to take a, a weekend off. We went to Las Vegas to our minister's conference which seems a bit incongruent, eh? Yeah, but that's the kind of ministers we are. Woo-woo! And um, then we went to, and spent four days in Denver with uh, Eileen Flanagan, and she has a lovely home there, and Eileen has um, uh, been helping us with leadership things. And when we were in Denver, they said that this, the blizzard of 2015 is upon us. And then it snowed like three inches one day, and then it snowed three inches the next day, and then, and then it snowed three inches the next day, and I said, this is just a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Edmonton. What are you guys talking about? So, but everything shuts down and everybody's sliding around. It was uh, Coloradians on ice. And so it was, but it was lovely. It was lovely, but it's just so nice to go down there and kind of chuckle at what they call the blizzard of 2015, you know. <laughs> this isn't a blizzard. Nah. So we, we're, we're starting a new month um, and a wonderful book. Um, and awakening consciousness is sort of the, the theme to, to touchstone today. And planting seeds of community by nurturing peace, poise, and clarity. It was a beautiful meditation this morning. And, and Mandy, thank you for, for facilitating that. Mandy Trapp came and, and uh, visited us with her gift. And it tied in so beautifully with what I have to say. And I'm always like, wow, this is so great. I didn't know I was getting ready to, to launch off of what Mandy was going to share. But what we teach is that we are, we're a teaching of oneness. That, that there's one life, that life is God's life, and all of us participated in it in, in individual ways. So it, it doesn't surprise me as much as delight me when, when things show up, and, and, um, and that's the experience. So Awakening Consciousness, the first day of March 2015, we've been using this wonderful book by Mike, Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. And so what I'd like to do before I go into my sort of sharing, I want to show you a, a short clip of Michael. Well, there's one more slide. There's a picture of Michael on the third slide today. And said, in a quote by him, it says, in order to be who you are, you must be willing to let go of who you think you are. And this is a really, really profound and simple concept. But such a wonderful way as I was reading this and sort of marinating in it, I thought, wow, how powerful this is. And it's a lovely book. And so I have a clip of Michael being interviewed. It's about a five-minute clip of Michael being interviewed by Oprah. And Oprah's hanging over there on the far wall there. And, and she's been quite a touchstone for people as they walk in. Some people love Oprah. And some people see Oprah hanging on the wall. And they leave immediately. But either way, it works really well for us. And so here she is. Spiritual growth happens. And there's only one of you inside there's not a part that's scared and another part that's protecting the part that's scared all parts are unified because there's no part of you that you're not willing to see yes oh that's what being a whole person is yes. isn't it yes that's integrity that's true integrity you're integrated as a being wow that's a, isn't that why we're all here to figure out how to do that yes yeah but it's easy we make it hard but it's actually very very easy I love this too, for everybody who's on the spiritual path, opening up your heart. Once you've made the commitment to free yourself of that scared person inside, you'll notice that there's a clear decision point at which your growth takes place. You just notice something starts to change. Yes. Spiritual growth is about the point 
at which you start to feel your energy change. Yes. Yeah. So basically, an event is happening outside, you're talking to somebody, enjoying the conversation, and all of a sudden they say something that hits something inside of you, a soft spot, and your whole mind, your heart starts to close, your mind starts to figure out, why did they say that? Did I say something wrong? And you go south. <laughs> you right, go somewhere, right. right? And you notice yourself starting to get involved in that reaction. And so at that moment, you have to decide, do I want to solve this? Does this need to be solved? And do I need to think about it? Or am I willing to just relax and let it pass? You're talking about that chapter, let go or fall? Yeah, that's right in there. Yes. Because if, when, when something comes in to disturb you, if you don't let it pass right through you, yes. you're saying that it will, the, the energy of it will drag you down into it yes. and then you become, you think you become that thing. Right. So what are we supposed to do right. when problems show up? The moment it starts with that chitter chatter, right? mind. My, my mind, my first reaction inside is to relax and lean away from that. To go to the seat of just, self. Just, you can use words. I just relax and lean away from it. Okay. Right? Yes, it's okay. true. You end up leaning into the seat of self. Okay. But I lean away from the noise the mind is making. And by seat of self, I mean that awareness yes, that yes, that yes, is yes, my yes, mind yes, speaking. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. So you're going to do one or two things. Once it starts, you're either going to lean into it and get involved. It yes, will pull you in. Which is what or most of us do. You have the right. You have the right to relax and lean away. And what you're going to do is start to get some space. And you will learn over time that that's the smartest thing you ever did. Why? Because you gave it room to pass through, and it will pass right through. Now, did this come to you over time? You learned this over time. I know I've read your story. You went to gurus. You sat alone. You meditated. Right. You became almost a recluse. Yes. And, you know, for most of us, that's not the path we want to take. Good. We just, good. <laughs> you say good. We just want to be able to, and I say we, speaking for myself, I want to be able to be connected to that seat of the self yes. that is ultimately where God flows through. Yes. The power of God flows yes. through. How do we begin to make that happen for ourselves? So because I did all of that and mm -hmm. tried all of that, yes. I am so proud to come back and tell you, no, you don't need to do that. You In don't fact, need to don't do it. do it. All you have to do is get to the point on your everyday life, every moment of life is a spiritual experience. I know you know that. Yes, I right? do. And, That's why we're and, here on Tumble Soul Sunday. And the reason it becomes a spiritual experience is because you've realized you are causing the vast majority of your own problems due to your mental reactions. So as life unfolds on a daily basis, you have the right to choose not to do that. You can still go to work. You still take care of the kids. You just lean away from this, this mess that the mind is doing to amplify and overemphasize or over-exaggerate whatever's going on. And then what do we do? Lean into what that, that awareness is saying? What will happen is when you let go of the noisy mind, you will end up in a seat of quiet, which I know you'll have to talk about. You'll yes. end up in a seat of quiet because that's what it is back there. It's the quiet. stillness, stillness. The stillness, yeah. right? Okay. And my experience is that now you can look at reality and you will know what to do. Just the fact that you don't have all this static, right? Yes. Means the quiet one who's clear We'll look at reality, and it will be pretty obvious what it is for you to deal with. It? Yes. Ultimately, I think what we're all seeking, even when we don't know it, when I would ask people on the show for years, what do you want? Everybody would say they want happiness. But aren't we all ultimately seeking freedom? Yes. We're seeking a state of absolute well-being, and that's what freedom means. So that's a bit of Michael Singer, and I, I really like that, the seat of the self. 
And it, you know, and it ties in so beautifully with so many of the other authors that we look at, and also our tradition. How do we? And and I'm going to show a, another short clip at the end uh, that of Eckhart Tolle giving a little bit of a practice that I think is really powerful and wonderful. But he he begins the, this uh, beautiful book on tethered soul. And uh, isn't it nice to know we don't have to go anywhere to experience this? We don't have to go on up to a mountaintop. We don't have to go to a, a guru, but we simply... Uh, and, and those things can certainly assist us. I mean, I love going away and, and being able to spend time in that, that, that practice. But it's not required. I think it can accelerate, and I think it can be such a rich, wonderful experience. But that doesn't need to... We don't have to sit at home and say, wow, I can't do spiritual practice until I get to whatever that may be. That's just that voice in the head. And that's what he talks about in this, this first chapter in the book called The Voice in Your Head. He said, we, we will, and at this moment, which is lovely, he says, now we'll turn to the expert that has spent every moment of every day of their life and has been collecting data necessary to finally put this great inquiry to rest. So we turn to that great expert. And as he says, it's you. It's you and I. We are the great expert. We've, 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 we've done our life experiences. We've had our, our uh, victories. We've had our sorrows. And you may be in, a, in, in one of those uh, experiences today, but it really is, uh, is our opportunity. He says, we discover who we are by letting go of who we are not. And the way to freedom is to step back and view this chatter objectively. As he talked about leaning back and becoming the observer in our lives, which is very difficult. It's a real challenge to do that, to lean back, because it's just so much fun to lean in and fix and, and defend and... and manipulate and all that but to and then and then if I do that do I become passive you know one of those great quotes is this idea that as we lean back uh, it's sort of a way of surrendering and it is a way of surrendering but it's um, it creates a different opportunity which is the, the paradox so he talks about the chatter if the if you're hearing the talk it's obvious that it's not you and I so that's one of the great things and Eckhart Tolle talks about that as well to have the awareness that that there's this voice inside that there's something going on that's always, and it's, that voice is never satisfied. Never satisfied. And so to have the awareness that that voice is actually there is huge because most people just live that out. Most people just run with whatever that, that incessant chatter is within the mind. He says there's nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of your mind. We are the ones that hear the voice. And that is a powerful, powerful perspective to have and, and on the path when we have moments of that of understanding that it's, it's, it's quite quite beautiful he says also that most of what that voice has to say is meaningless it's just it's just the boondoggle it's just noise the voice is simply making us feel better or worse about what's going on what's gone on in the past or what might go on in the future the real problem is not life itself, it is a commotion that the mind makes about life that really causes the problem. So things happen, and for some people, they're not affected by it at all. I know people that are really upset about the local hockey team. And part of my spiritual experience is to stand and witness to their upset and, 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 and have empathy, but I, there's nothing I can do about it. And, and, you know, um, Doug Kelly invited me out a year ago to play hockey. I'm going to tell you, they're not going to be putting me on the ice. But I finally have healed from that, Doug. Thank you. So the real problem is not life itself. It's the commotion that the mind makes about life that really causes the problem. 
There's a wonderful uh, story that I've used a number of times, but I'm going to tell it again today. And, and Rumi is a Sufi um, clown and, uh, and mystic, and he's a wonderful uh, character in the Sufi tradition. And the Sufis are the, the Islamic lovers of God. And so they're the mystics. I always say that uh, those of us in metaphysics in, in this, I always consider us the lovers of God in Christianity. We are, the, we are the ecstatic lovers of God, realizing God is everywhere present, and it's our opportunity to experience more and more of that. But this, there's many stories about uh, Nasruddin. And so Nasruddin is going into a village one day, and he, and he always had a donkey with him. And he had a couple donkeys that day, and he had a, a, a helper with him, one of his assistants. And they were going into this village, and it was a very busy village, and there was a bazaar going on, and the children started throwing rocks at the donkeys. And they were, they were bothering the donkeys and pulling the donkey's tail, and they were just really, really becoming quite a, a problem. So, uh, so Nasruddin says, uh, look... I understand over on the other side of town right now that, that every child is receiving as much candy as they can carry in two hands. So if you head over there right now, you'll get all the candy that you could possibly carry and eat. And so these kids stop and they look and they just take off running. And there's a, you know, half a dozen to eight kids flying down the street as fast as they can. And all of a sudden, um, Nazruddin starts running after them. And his assistant says, where are you going? As he's running after him, he says, well, it could be true. (laughs) But it's such a great story about how we can make up a story and then actually believe that it can be true for us. The busy mind, so what's the purpose of this busy mind? The busy mind gives us comfort with the world around us. And it also helps us if we can't get the world the way we like it. So what happens then is the, the process is we internalize it, we verbalize it, we judge it, we can complain about it, we, contem- we condemn it, and then we decide what to do about it. So what is, as Michael Singer uh, suggests, and as, as in the video with uh, Oprah, if we lean back and lean back from it and let it pass? What if you stop this and you just observed it? you eventually come to see that the mind talks all the time. Mind's just always busy. That's, that's part of that, that mechanism that we showed up with. It talks all the time. It makes us feel more secure. That chatter buffers us from life, but it also keeps us from living fully. It just keeps us from living fully. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Holmes in, the, in our textbook, the science of my textbook, is what's important is that while we live, we truly live. So he talks about, in the next chapter, he talks about the inner roommate. That, that um, and there's a, there's a, I had a friend a number of years ago that was, wanted to go on an all-inclusive trip to, to Mexico. And in order to make it happen for him because of his budget, he, was, uh, he found a roommate to go with him and someone that he didn't know. And so uh, they got there the first day and they were in the bar and, and my friend, uh, said, uh, was with the new roommate and said, uh, watch the person they didn't know order two shots of tequila immediately. And um, assuming that one was for him, said, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that tonight. I just got here. He said, no, no, that's not for you. That's for me. In my family, we're great drinkers in my family. We know how to drink. And so my friend went to the room and uh, about two hours later, all of a sudden there's a there's a knock at the door, and here are the people, three people that work at the resort carrying the new roommate um, that 
despite the claims that the family really knew how to drink, did really not know how to drink or could drink to oblivion, uh, and then proceeded to come in the room. And um, um, I'm not even going to give you the rest of the details, but the, all the linens in that person's bed had to be changed the next morning to give you an idea of the, how inebriated they were. But the point is, is that when he talks about roommates here, he said, if we could, and, and I thought about the story when he asked in, the, in this chapter, if we could, if we could uh, see that voice embodied before us, and, and we were assigned that it had to travel with us throughout the day, would, how long would we last? We'd last maybe a day with it, probably less. And so it's this incessive, this incessive sort of roommate, he calls it. Once again, as he says, as, as, the very fact that you can see the disturbance means that you are not it. And he talks about the distinction between being spiritually minded and worldly minded. The worldly minded is the belief that the solution to your problem is outside of you. And it's, the, this incessant voice is never happy. It's just never happy because if we, it'll say, you know, you need to take a break. You're working too hard. You're working too hard. You're working too hard. And then you will take the break. And then all of a sudden the voice will, will chip in and say, you know, you're, you better get back to work here. There's a lot of stuff to get done. It is never satisfied. So if you hear that, you know what it is. There's a great story uh, about Howard Hughes, the, the multimillionaire Hughes aircraft and, and uh, the, you know, that, uh, um, um, I forget the actor now, Leonardo. DiCaprio played him in The Aviator. And, there, and, and so this comes from Noah. Um, can't remember Noah's last name. was his assistant. But Howard loved this certain banana swirl ice cream. And he said, you know, I'd love more banana swirl ice cream. So they went to Baskin Robbins where the banana swirl ice cream was. And they, they weren't producing it at that point in time. So Noah went to the people that produce it and said, Mr. Hughes would like more banana swirl. And he said, well, in order to have more banana swirl, he needs to order 350 gallons. That's the minimum we make. So Noah said, well, make them up. It's his favorite ice cream. We've got to have it. So they made up 350 gallons of uh, banana swirl ice cream. They got it produced. They brought it into Mr. Hughes, who was then living in, you know, he was, he was walking around in Kleenex boxes, and he was in his pajamas, and his fingernails were nine, nine inches long. Um, and he took one bite of the banana swirl ice cream, and he put the spoon down and says, you know, I'm tired of this flavor. So everybody that worked for Mr. Hughes had banana swirl ice cream for several months. Everybody could take a few gallons home once a week. But I just think about how that busy mind is, is like that. It's never satisfied. Ah, I'm done with this. I've done enough of that. Michael Singer says, no problem can, he, can possibly exist when we're lost in the energy of the problem. As, as Einstein said on the wall there, you can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we use when we created it. The first step is to realize there's something inside us that can have a problem with almost anything. There's a capacity for us to make a problem just about anything. And there's two parts inside. There's the witness, the awareness, the consciousness, and that part of us that never shuts up. So we have to learn to watch it in order to be free of it. So the way through it is to, to notice it, notice it and bring awareness to it. If that voice somehow manages to manifest in a body outside of you, as I've just said, you ha and you had to take it everywhere with you, you wouldn't last a day with it. And I think that's true. But we're with it all the time. So as he says, we have to fire our roommate or put it in a perspective. And so why, you know, why do we have spiritual practice 
See, this is a beautiful thing. I had a lovely conversation in, in Las Vegas with one of our ministers. It's trained a lot of ministers over the years, worked with the Holmes Institute. And I asked her about the training, and I think it's so true. What spiritual practice does, what meditation does, it keeps the channels open. Prayer keeps the channels open. Meditation keeps the channels open. Walking the labyrinth keeps the channels open. Going and sitting and, and doing yoga. One of the things that... Uh, uh, Michael Singer writes about in here is actually yoga, the practice of yoga. All those things help keep the channels open, but it also keeps us occupied in something that is, that is life-affirming so that God can do its work for us and through us and as us. That's the other part that's lovely. It's not all up to us, but unless we make room for that to happen, there's just nothing that can show up. Michael, Michael Singer's um, next slide he says, there's nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. And if you don't understand this, you will try and figure it out, uh, try and figure out which of these many things the voice says is really you. People go through, next slide, people go through many changes in the name of trying to find myself. And they want to discover which of these voices, which of these aspects of their personality is who they really are. And the answer is simply none of them. There's a, there's a profound seed of self. You know, Gary Zukov wrote about it in The Seed of the Soul. And Eckhart Tolle writes about it in, in um, The Power of Now. And all these great, isn't that wonderful? We have all these different flavors that we can, we can tap into. Michael Singer is starting to emerge into the collective consciousness because he brings a different conversation to it, to this whole thing. So why is this important? Well, it's important because I think this is why we've, we've taken form. As he said at the beginning of that video, this is why we've taken form. This is the bomb. I had a wonderful conversation with Eileen Flanagan when we stayed with her, and, and, and we've talked about this whole thing of, of you know, lives and the continuum of life, the spiral upward, as Dr. Holmes talked about. But this is the place that all of our souls long to be because this is where stuff happens. When we're in other realms, it's a, it's a realm, from what I understand and read, many times of unconditional love. And, it's, and that's a wonderful experience as well. It's just that there's not much growth and stretching in that. And so this is the bomb where we all long to be. And so when we can stand grounded in that seed of self, in that soul, and I have to tell you that I've meditated since my late 20s. And in the last 10 years, I'm not saying it should take that long for anyone, but there's been this, this, these experiences of no thought. Just a, a no thought at all. Just dropping right into this space of that voice just knows whatever it has to inform me of, it's not the time. This is my time to, for quiet. And so a lot of it, a lot of my experience now with practice has been there's just no thought. Just this pure awareness. And in that, then whatever comes out of that space, as Michael Singer says, then you know what to do. It, it becomes apparent what the, what the next thing to do is because there's a purity in that, in that relationship. Next slide says, the day that you decide you're more interested in being aware of your thoughts than in the thoughts themselves, that is the day you'll find your way out. More interested in being aware of your thoughts than in the thoughts themselves, that is the day you'll find your way out. Freedom is to objectively watch your problems instead of getting lost in them. And that's, that's serious. Uh, profound practice and I think we grow into it I don't think it's an I don't think it's an easy well he says it's easy I think it's easy to practice it and be aware of it to connect with that seed of the soul that seed of self the witness and the awareness 
And he says this, once you've made, Michael Singer says, once you've made the decision to free yourself from the mental melodrama, you are ready for the teaching and the techniques, and you'll now have a real reason for using them. You know, that, that, that chatter, that incessant uh, conversation went on and on and on. It's what drove me to, to start to practice meditation because it was driving me out of my, it was keeping me so far from that seat of self that I longed to experience. And for me, it was a fantasy, but I thought, geez, I'd like to have some peace of mind. I'd like to get up in the morning and not just constantly worry. And it takes time. It takes time to unravel that. To stand firm in the seat of the witness and release the hold that the habitual mind has on us. I want to cue up another beautiful um, uh, video. It's a short one from Eckhart Tolle. And he gives some practice around this that I think is really insightful and powerful. It's about three minutes long. Do we have Eckhart ready to go? When we told you Eckhart would be coming on Super Soul Sunday, we heard the collective digital cheer online. You told us you had questions for Eckhart, and he happily agreed to take a few. Laura, one of our Facebook followers, wanted to know how to calm the voice in her head. She writes, I feel like my mind is racing at enormous speed, and at night it's even worse. How can I stop the constant stream of consciousness in my mind? Uh, yeah, ah, good question. Thanks, thanks Laura. Uh, many people will be thankful for that question. Yes. So, first of all, the question implies that you know that your mind won't, won't stop. Yes. If you are totally immersed, you're so identified with your mind, even the thought that your mind won't stop doesn't even occur to you because you become your mind. Yeah. You don't know that it is your mind that won't stop. Yes. So, Laura, that's a big, that's your so head of the game. Okay. The fact that's that Laura knows that her good, mind won't stop is a good thing. a good thing. start. So, when you hear the thought, why can't I stop my mind? Don't believe it because you can't stop your mind. How? You can choose to take your attention away from thinking and the first thing you do as you lie there in bed, you ask yourself, can I feel the energy inside my hands? Yeah. In other words, can I feel that my hands are there without touching anything? Can yes. I feel that there's an, there's an energy inside my hands and after a little while, you, most people can. There's a slight tingling or liveness that you can feel when right. the energy goes in there. Mm -hmm. And that's an enormous step that you've already taken because immediately thinking will slow down because it no longer has your whole attention. Got it. And then see, can you incorporate the whole body? The whole body. Can you sense your legs and arms? So why does that work and not just Laura saying to herself, let me think about something else? Uh, there's no anchor then for presence and the mind has such momentum that you won't be able to stop it. Got it. You need an anchor for presence. That. And the inner body, as I call it, is, is okay. a wonderful anchor for the state of presence. Laura, I hope you got that too. That's why you just can't say, okay, I'm going to think about something else. Yes. And then the you wonderful thing... actively... Choose. Choose. Okay. Not about something else, just go into the body, and then thinking slows down. You might even stop completely for a while. And the amazing thing is what before was an unpleasant, dreadful, sleepless night, within a few minutes can actually be transformed into a very pleasant experience of feeling the inherent aliveness in your, in your whole body and you yes. lie there. Because, and then you recognize, oh, I have slowed down. You have slowed down and the mind will do very little. When you're really in the body, there's not much thinking anymore. 
So another Facebooker wanted to know, this is closely related so to what Laura said, uh, how does one clear one's mind of bad memories? Can you clear your mind of bad memories? Well, not as such, but you can uh, recognize that bad memories are thoughts that are arising in your mind. And when you recognize that these are thoughts arising in your mind, you don't need to identify with the thoughts any longer. So memories, for example, of something bad that happened to you. Yes. Uh, it's not happening here and now. It's already happened. Yes. It's done. Yes. So memories are thoughts that arise. They are not realities. Only when you believe that they are real, then they have the power over you. But when you realize it's just another thought arising about the past, then you can you find a space, a spacious relationship with thought. Mm. So thought no longer has you in its grip. Yeah. I call it sometimes... I hope people really get that. Yes. That would be a gift for yes. somebody who's tortured by the past. Yes. Another aspect of that, of course, is guilt, which has to do with something one did to someone mm. or something that they failed to do but should have right. done. And so guilt arises. But, of course, who you were then, no human being can act beyond their level of consciousness at that time you acted like that. The awareness was not there to act differently. Now the awareness is there, and the awareness is who you truly are. Well, I think a lot of the reasons, any time I've ever felt guilty, it's because I kind of knew better. I knew yeah. better and didn't do it. When, you know, there's nothing worse, I think, than being upset with yourself. Yes. And you're upset with yourself not when you make a mistake, for me. I'm upset with myself when I make a mistake that I could have prevented Yes. Yes, but you didn't. But I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the ego... But, the guilt, but you didn't, so live guilt. with it. <laughs> but you didn't. But what a wonderful little snippet of, of the human condition and the mind. And, and such brilliant uh, conveyance of that. I, have a, I, I put some bullet points together on a slide that I want to share with you before we close and get back into some beautiful music. So, in every moment, as Michael Singer says, every moment is a spiritual experience. And we're the ones that choose that or not. And, and what thoughts we're entertaining, what thoughts we're nurturing, and we know this. But isn't it lovely to, to have both these beautiful men share their insight and their experience? To lean away, as Michael Singer says, to lean away from the noise of the mind that the, the mind is making. Feeling the energy in the body, like Eckhart said, uh, the hands. That has been a practice for me that has just been phenomenal. To feel my, I'll rub these, my thumb and, and uh, pointer finger together at times when I'm really, really scattered as I sit in meditation. And then sometimes I'll play music. And between listening to the music and that simple little sensation, it will, it will take me into another, the, the thinking will slow down. And it's so powerful. And the thinking slows down, there's, a, there's another opportunity. Feeling the energy in the body, start with the hands. Nurturing a spaciousness relationship with thought. Oh, there's another thought. As he said, the, as he said I don't know if you made it out with Eckhart's accent, but he said, well, why don't we just say, I'll think about something else when Oprah said that. And he said, because there's no anchor in that. We need an anchor. Otherwise, it's just one more thought, one more thought, because that chattered mind just keeps running with it. Think about something else, think about something else. Yeah, but remember, we're worrying about this right now. We're fixing this right now, so we'll think about something else once we get this resolved. All that chatter that goes on. The seat of quiet. The singer talks about the seat of quiet. And in that seat of quiet, 
as he says, we'll know what to do. It's a whole different perspective. What I believe spiritual practice does for us, one of the things in the practitioner training we were working with last week, the idea that when we do these practices, there's a perception that shifts in us. When we have spiritual practice, whatever that may be for you, there's a perception that shifts in us. And when the the perception shifts, it's quite a beautiful experience. It's quite a beautiful opportunity. In our next slide, here's a great example of this, was a fellow that made his transition this week. Wasn't he a great example of not running with his emotions? I mean, didn't you, if you were a Star Trek fan, didn't you love Spock? Because you knew Spock was not gonna run around like his hair was on fire, you know? Uh, remember when he had the triple and he said, I'm, I'm, I feel strangely really drawn to this, Captain Kirk, you know, that whole thing of how he was always there but not stepping into his emotions. And of course, his, his, uh, his peace sign, that he said he came up with on his own. It was uh, inspired by Churchill at the end of World War II, but his was live long and prosper. So next week, we're gonna talk about experiencing the divine energy, and I look forward to sharing that with you. Live long and prosper. So it is.